The John Crocker and Associates Property Management News Desk Podcast. Brought to you in association with Palace. Great property management software at getpalace.com. And Moving House Property Video. Bringing your listing to life at movinghouse.net.nz. Today we continue our discussion with Natalie Wendell from Auckland-based firm Wendell Property Management. Natalie joins your host, David Faulkner, to discuss everything from effective property management techniques to public perceptions of the industry within a New Zealand context. Hello and welcome to this edition of the New Zealand Property Management Podcast. I'm your host, David Faulkner, and in today's show, I got the opportunity to recently catch up with Natalie Wendell and some of the members of her wonderful team at Wendell Property Management up in Auckland. Natalie, if we can start with you first, if you'd like to just tell, give our listeners a bit of background on Wendell Property Management, where they're based, how many properties they look after approximately, and the size of your team. Yeah, no problem. So we're a team of 13. We're based in central Auckland, but we do work right across Auckland. Um, and we started with uh, the foundations of our property portfolio with my mother, who had been working in real estate for 35 years and is still part of our team today. And she um, was very different with her approach to property management. Um, I think what we've really been able to do is take a niche part of the market and do a very, very good job of that. So we really do specialise in property management. We don't do anything else in Sudbury, and we really do work on growing the team from scratch. So they're the kind of things that make us a little bit different. We are um, a medium-sized company, and we are on an aggressive growth mode. Right. So how long has Wendell's uh, been operating for in this market? As Wendell Property Management? As Wendell Property Management? For five years. For five years. But there are people within our portfolio who've been with us for over two years. Really? So we have quite an established pool of owners. Right. And his mother who started the business, wasn't it? Susan? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so she's got her, by the looks of things, she's really uh, focused on making sure her succession planning is right. Um, yes, with yourself and, and there's myself and my husband and, and your husband's <laughs> actually and, and we've got such a young and what I notice when I come into the office yeah. is that it's such a young team uh, has this been a strategy of uh, yours to recruit younger people I think we look for the right people who have the right attitude and um, we do we've got people of all ages here though David we're yeah. not all young yeah. um, and I, we've got so we've kind of got couple of people over 60, a couple in their 50s, a couple in their 30s, and then we do actually, we have just hired four that are all in their 20s. Right. And I think the way the industry is moving is a lot more towards speed. So speed with technology, speed with adoption of new ideas. Um, we really do find that the young people that are coming through are really attracted by that, by that type of industry. But we really do understand and respect the people who've gone before us, and we really do appreciate the expertise we have in the office. Mm-hmm. We have over 100 years of property management experience in our office, and that's something that, you know, I'm not I'm many offices in Auckland have that level of, and that depth of understanding. What strikes me also about your office is that it's modern, it's, it looks vibrant, it's exciting. It's not your typical or your, your, your stereotypical property management company. There's a real focus on quality. Yes. When we bought the business um, and the mum had been working in for a very long time, she was actually working, running over 280 properties in a cupboard. 
So it was actually about three square metres, and she had the shelf that was above her with all of her property files on. And I mean, my mother's quite a small woman, and I was really terrified that one day that whole shelf was going to come down and bury her in paperwork. Yeah. Um, and so it, it had no kind of no natural light. It was not a nice space to be in, and really, I mean, I, it was an incredibly motivating environment. So one of our big goals was we really wanted to have an office that was central in a cool area mm. where our staff would want to come to work, um, that had car parks that the staff didn't have to pay for, yeah. and um, that was going to be an easier base to service Auckland, because mm. we were in Sandringham, which is quite hard from a traffic point of view. So we were wasting hours and hours every week trying to get to certain places and getting stuck in, in, um, in roadblocks and, and just bad traffic. Yeah. So how long have you, I mean, so your background, let's just mm-hmm. look at your background first, because you weren't always in property management. You had a background in hospitality? Yes, hospitality, marketing and art, really. Yeah, and that's been not just in New Zealand, that's been all over the world, really. Yeah, so I kind of um, got a one-way ticket to London, like so many of us do in our early 20s, and I went there and I worked um, for an incredible company, and he... Um, he had a Michelin restaurant, yes. and so I did the PR marketing for him. And then from then on, Ashley and I moved to Indonesia. We ran two resorts there. Also right. worked in Australia for a, a medical research company. Would you believe doing their marketing and all their kind of events and stuff? So, so what we're so what we're hearing here is that there's a lot of transferable skills that you've brought from other industries yeah. into a property management industry, where typically in your stereotypical real estate company, a lot of the focus goes on the sales team with marketing, not so much on property management. Yeah, agreed. And But I don't think I could have come in and been able to affect any change if I hadn't had someone like Mum who was able to really present the problems that property management was having and then actually kind of troubleshoot and help problem solve together. So I think the marrying of both skill sets is really important. So externalised coming in was a big bonus to the experience of running the property management business. Definitely. And what you've seen to have done is taken it to a level which is really unsurpassable in this country, what we can see in terms of different, um, you know, you have different brands within the brand where I can see the Wendell Executive, which we'll come on to. Yeah. Anyway, that's great. If we can just send to um, Sarah and Gina. So Gina, if we ask you first, how long have you been in property management for? Uh, I started with Wendell's just over four years ago now. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's always a little bit impolite for a male to ask a female this, but can I just get an approximate how old you you are? Yeah, no worries, I am 24. So you started at an early age of 20 coming in with, into property management. I did, yes, I yeah. did. Yeah. yeah, and yourself, Sarah, um, same question. Sure, so I've been here just under two years. Yes. And I'm also 24. Right, okay. So can I ask, I mean, you're dealing with landlords who are predominantly, uh, what I would say, a lot of properties owned by baby boomers. Was it a bit of a challenge for you two ladies to really earn the trust of such a generation gap? In some ways, yes, but in others, I would say, um, because we present ourselves so much as the expert, that people do put their trust in us because it's clear we know what we're saying and what we're talking about. We have the support from the team to problem solve. Yeah. Yeah. So can I ask what type of system you run here at Wendell's? Do you run a pod system, portfolio system? What what do you what do you, how do you operate? If we sort of had to label it, we would probably say portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, but we kind of 
there's usually always two people or more who will know a property. Mm -hmm. And the reason behind that is so that if someone, if myself is away on leave or falls sick, then someone else is always in the office available to assist with that. Um, the property managers in the office don't do anything from the account side. You've got our accounts team who look after that, which gives us more time to do the solving the problems, you know, all of those types of property management things. That we really so what you're saying is some of the more, I won't call them mundane tasks, but the more administration tasks, you've got people here who can take that away from you so you can f focus specifically on dealing with your clients. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We do not bury our property managers here in additional paperwork. Um, when the waters came in, which is a huge thing for Auckland, yes. um, a lot of property management companies tried to get their property managers to deal with that. Yeah. We just went out and hired an additional accounts person. So for people who are outside of Auckland, maybe on a word, this is water rates we're talking about. Water rates, indeed, which was... Um, Perhaps the largest inconvenience um, that has happened in Auckland property management and had a huge impact on our business. Um, mm. it, you know, we went from needing um, four to five hours every two to three days to deal with waters to it being a huge backlog, full of errors, and needing someone full time. Yeah. So it was a pretty big. So it takes the pressure off these uh, young ladies so they can focus on what really, really matters. Which is client care. Which is client Customer care. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sarah, is the job what you thought it was going to be? And, and, and also in that, you obviously chose to apply uh, for the position. Is this something that you always wanted to do? Or did, was it just a case of, this looks interesting, I want to have a go at this? Well, first part, not what I thought it would be. So much more than I, I thought it would be, um, just in terms of the, the volume of work and as well as the learning involved. You learn so much about a wide, wide scope of things. Yeah. So I've learned a lot. Um, you're still always learning as well. And with your, your second question, so with the awards, um, uh, yeah, once I knew that they were out there, it was something I did want to go for, but yeah. I, you know, I was encouraged as well by the team because you think, oh, I'm, you know, I haven't been here that long. I'm not good enough. But no, um, I was really encouraged to apply yeah. myself and I'm, I'm pleased I did. Yeah. yeah. And Gina, was it what you thought it was going to be? Not really, no. I was, um, I sort of didn't really know what to expect. I come from a background, my parents have sort of always owned property and I've always loved property. Yeah. Um, so I sort of thought, oh, well, this is something exciting and new. Um, and it had a chat with Natalie and then, yeah, I sort of started and it was a big learning curve for me um, in terms of organisation yeah. and learning to be able to go home and know that there is still stuff that needs to be done, but you've done... The, you've prioritised and you've done everything that needs to be done that day, the rest of it can be done yeah. tomorrow. So if we can just hold you there, because you've just raised a point about yeah. you know going home, and uh, as we all know in property management, the job's never done. No, yeah. so, for, for, so for two young ladies coming into the industry, how hard is it to switch off and to have, I mean, did, is the times where the job almost becomes too consuming? Oh, that work-life balance is something yeah. you do. You do have to form that conscious effort to... Mm -hmm stop thinking about work sometimes <laughs> yeah definitely and you sort of start off in the assumption that you always need to be available all the time you need to be available you need to be answering your phone you need to be picking up emails you need to be texting people to make sure everything's okay but 
you get to a point where you're so organized that you can go home and you don't need to check your emails, you don't need to be worrying about stuff, you don't need to be sitting up at 1 a.m. in the morning thinking, oh my gosh, did I do that thing? Because so, you, so, you've obviously, so you've obviously done that, haven't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. We've, all, we've, all, we've, all, yeah. we've all done that. We've all done that. Yeah, so, yeah. and it's about sort of uh, taking control of your time. So if there's an appointment that you have that's a personal appointment, for me, it's going to the gym. I know that I need to be there at 5.30, so that's in my diary, and I leave the office at 5, yeah. and then I'm there. And, you know, that depends on a different day, etc. but I stick to those personal appointments mm-hmm. that I do have, and that took a lot of involvement from the team. Yeah. We all support each other in doing that. Mm-hmm. We find we work better when we're at work, when we have time yeah. to do yeah. things that are always important. Yeah. And I always step away and then come back and use. You can focus on mm-hmm. work. So can I ask on average... How many hours of work do you do a week approximately? You, I mean, you're not doing obscene hours like 60, 70 hours. And, no way. No, yeah. I'd say that no one in our office works more than 45 hours. Yeah. Um, apart from, uh, we, we do an on-call rota for weekend and then the expectation, and it's one in six weekends. And then on the other five, you don't answer your phone that weekend. That's kind of the rule. Um, so the Monday, and then you work right through to that Saturday, but then you have the next Friday off in lieu of that Saturday. So right. we really make sure that people aren't working like that 50-hour mark. Your work and your ability to continue to work really begins to deteriorate. But the most important thing is the ability to make good decisions is affected. So Natalie, if I can just turn to you on this point, I mean, one of the things that we see in the industry is burnout, which is always a big concern. This is clearly a focus for your business. Yeah, definitely. I grew up watching my mum work seven days a week, every single week. Um, Christmas Day answering phone calls, you know. And it was it was full on and she was one of those rare people who could manage it mm-hmm. and, you know, still keep it cool about her but the toll it took on her, I mean this is her life's work. She's worked incredibly hard to um, to keep this going. And and I think that people that are coming in to the work environment nowadays actually would rather earn a little bit less but have a little bit more time. Yeah. Uh, and also have the flexibility, you know, um, Gina, she lives in Albany, and until very recently, Sarah was in Mark Bay, um, we've got another girl, Shelby, who lives up north as well, and obviously coming in at peak hour traffic, like it, it's an hour and a half each way sometimes, so they all have laptops and they can work flexi time and flexi right. hours, um, you know, we give them a car that they can drive all over Auckland with, but also... Um, they don't have to share cars because yeah. there's other companies that kind of do that. So we try to do everything that makes it easier for them because, you know, it's a stressful job. It is a stressful job. Yeah. So does this, does this mean, Sarah, that you're lying in bed and you're going to go, I'm going to just go work from home today? Or <laughs> <laughs> It just means we have the flexibility to, so I can think, oh, I can save that hour in traffic and, and send some emails, make those calls yeah. and still, yeah, get to work. Decent time. Do you find all technology can be a little bit intrusive as well in our private lives, or is that a discipline that you've really had to, to work on and master to switch off? Yeah, we, we all have tricks, don't we, to, to get into that habit so it's not all-consuming all the time, because it can be um, if you let it. Yeah. So, Gina, for anybody coming into the industry, what advice would you give them in terms of managing themselves, managing the time and not burning out? Probably my biggest thing is don't don't take it uh, to heart, I suppose. Don't take it to heart. If there is something that's happened, it's 
or if someone gets upset with you, it's probably not your fault. Yes. You need to look at the bigger picture. So that's the first thing. Don't take it to heart. Um, make sure you have the support. There is no way that I would be sitting here or would have lasted in this industry if it wasn't for the team around us. Just absolutely no way. Make sure you've got the support. Make sure you've got a mentor, someone who you can look up to and who you can bounce ideas off. Um, in our office, Sarah and I will turn around to each other and go, I've got this, I don't know what to do, I've never had this before. And she'll turn to me and be like, oh, well, I had that last week and this is how I dealt with it and we can bounce ideas off each other. Mm-hmm. So having that support and that camaraderie and someone to turn to um, is is definitely up there. And also what we mentioned about work-life balance and not constantly checking your emails and, until midnight and working right the way through and, and everything like that. Yeah. Okay. Can I... Natalie, to turn to you there, because you know, Jane has brought up some points there where you know, having a mentor and having people to, to lean on. Yeah. You would have seen a lot of companies, I suspect, where there's it's a sales company yeah. and property management is in the corner. An afterthought, it's mm-hmm. one, two people you know, and, and struggling on their own. Mm-hmm. This is a concern, generally for the industry, that you've got lots of individuals out there mm-hmm. with, with, with no one to turn to. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to people who are so you know the, the principles are sales orientated mm. what advice would you give to them work out as um i think you know in the sorry the sales the sales managers are actually really interested once you show them what they actually should be interested in so if you haven't already get on the the phone to palace or whoever your uh, provider is and work out the good reports that they have and then work out with your sales manager what you actually want to measure mm. what the goals are for the for the department, because there's nothing worse than, than just generally it's two or three people, isn't it, kind of fumbling around, not really knowing what the purpose or direction is. So get really clear about that. And then get really clear about the level of support you need. You know, if you're part of a bigger brand, um, even if you're in a small office, doesn't mean that you can't tap into the bigger brand's network. And if you're in an individual office, it doesn't mean that you actually can't find someone who has similar values to you and your team. And, you know, marry up with them. I'm very close with a a woman who works in Wellington and another in Christchurch and another in Queenstown. And we're always flicking different ideas across to each other. And we now have a rule that before we do anything new, we make sure we've asked them if they've just done the same thing. So you've you've kind of developed a network across the country. Yeah. You can do that at any level. You know, and and maybe you've got to tell um, tell your sales manager, hey, I need to meet some people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you go along to some networking events, that's wonderful. But, you know, try to get along to one of these great conferences. Yeah. And then spend that time actually trying to make some meaningful connections. So you've got, like, a network of people that you can kind of rely on. And then when you get to that point where something does happen in your portfolio, which is maybe quite hairy, yeah, we've all got the Scotty Williams and those types of contacts, but isn't it great having someone else as well yes. that you can... You know, have a conversation with, share some ideas, ask their opinion. Because you don't need to give away details. You can speak in abstract terms. Mm-hmm. But I think that support and that network is so important. I really do think we all need to uh, maybe stop trying to hide and, and compete with each other and be a little bit more open to one. Yeah. If we can turn back to you two ladies. I mean, we'll have a lot of property managers who will listen to this. And they've got to want to know how many properties you manage. And, and they're also going to want to know how many is too many. I mean, how many properties are you looking after, Gina, first? Well, my portfolio has been sort of split a little bit at the moment. Yes. Because I am moving into 
a bit of a different role in terms of um, new business yes. and um, sort of helping out with the training and, and those types of things with the team. So mine has got a little bit smaller because of that. Prior to that, um, I was looking after about 100, mm-hmm. was sort of that happy point, I guess you could say for me. Yeah. Um, and we purposely keep our portfolios slightly smaller so that we can keep the accent service that we do promise to our owners and to our tenants as well. Right. And so, same question? I'm on 100 at the moment. Yes. So again, for me, I found that I'm happy there at the moment. I could take on more, but at the moment, I'm, I'm happy managing so, more well. So this goes back to what you're saying in, in looking after the staff and ensuring, Natalie, that they're, they're not burning out. Mm, exactly. Um, 125 is our max. We let anyone. But it's not so much, it's not so much the number. We look at the type of property. You know, are you dealing with a block of six? Is it an apartment building? Are you dealing with a standalone home with seven bedrooms? Because that's going to greatly affect how many you can manage. Yeah. We look at area. Yeah. We look at the type of owner. Are they an intelligent investor who actually already has a business plan that you are given and you just simply do what they've asked? Or do they need a lot of education? So all these things actually affect how many we, we allow everyone to run. And it's a bit of an open dialogue we ask the question what would you like to earn this year great that would be this amount i mean and and look this is some great advice that a lot of property management companies that they don't do you're actually qualifying clients and and separating them and also you know both the the girls we've got in the room today sarah and gina are very very good with first-time investors they're very knowledgeable but they really put them at ease they're also great with homeowners um, and they really, you know, if you're giving your family home to someone, you actually want that added level of care. But are they really interested in CapEx budgeting, advanced accounting, financials? No, that's not where their interests lie. So I actually match investors up who have those interests with property managers that also have those interests. Everyone just works out that they're a bit happier when they're doing what they naturally like. Because your property managers... I would say with the support you have in the back room as well, mm-hmm. these numbers they're looking after are quite low yeah. in terms of an industry average. Mm-hmm. Does this put pressure on your profit margins or are you really conscious about, I mean, yes, we're in Auckland. Yes, they're going to be higher rents. Mm-hmm. So are you really conscious on not discounting fees to make sure that you're reaching those profit margins? Yeah, our average um, management fee is 7.27, which is pretty high for Auckland. High for Auckland, yes. Um, but, you know, you get what you pay for. Yeah. And I think a, a lot of our clients, I think people are happy to discount or expect a discount for something they might use once. You know, that one-off service, that um, 50% off for a dinner out. But when you're actually working with someone on an ongoing basis and they're taking care of your assets... Um, or, or you're building relationships, like with a lawyer and accounting. Money actually is not the first question. People really want reliability, consistency, and service. So we're trying to attract people that actually really appreciate that. And we still tell people all the time that you know we are the cheapest property professional you will come across. We're much cheaper than your lawyer and your accountant and your mortgage broker and your insurance broker and your real estate agent. And we work 24/7, 365. So when you come across that confidence, I always say to people, look, I understand if you want to do, you know, if you want cheaper, everyone wants cheaper, go for it, go and try it. And then two weeks later when I give them the follow-up phone call and the other agency hasn't been able to rent the property, Mm -hmm. I haven't had to tell them they've experienced the difference for themselves. I mean, what, again, I mean, 
we undersell ourselves as a profession, especially in New Zealand, probably more so than what happens in Australia because it's a regulated industry. And, And you're pointing out here in this conversation that we're still even at seven, eight, nine percent. Ten percent, fifteen percent. Yeah, we're we're still a very cheap in terms of what other people provide in, a, in an investment service. Yes, definitely. And but I think if investors only think all we do is collect rents and put tenants in, then yes, I can appreciate why that would feel expensive. But when you actually look at the wide range of things that we can do for tenants, sorry, for owners and also for tenants, mm. then they begin to start seeing the value of what we're actually able to add. So, you know, when you're able to talk to them about what their actual overall strategy is and what their plan is, and then actually that affects your day-to-day decision-making. You know, if they're planning on flipping in three years versus holding for 10, we're going to be making different decisions on everything from tap to right through to 10. So so you ladies, uh, Sarah, Gina, there's a real focus on, on you ladies getting to know your clients and what their requirements are rather than just assuming this is what they want and and doing that. Thanks for joining us in the New Zealand Property Management Podcast. It's great catching up with Natalie and the team. In the second part of this interview, we'll continue to understand why Wendell is so successful and why looking after their people is such an important aspect of their business and of their culture. The John Crocker and Associates Property Management News Desk Podcast. Brought to you in association with Palace. Great property management software at getpalace.com. And Moving House Property Video. Bringing your listing to life at movinghouse.net.nz. John Crocker and Associates, New Zealand's number one property management consultants. Build your property management business at johncrocker.co.nz.